0: Hello, insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, broadcasting live from an undisclosed underground bunker located in Coronado, California, welcoming you to a nearly 78th anniversary of Operation Overlord, the Allied invasion to liberate the European continent edition of Inside Track. Eb is on assignment today. We have a special guest calling in, hopefully in just a minute or so, from Maryland, who is running for U.S. House, Nicolay Ambrose. She's running in Maryland's second congressional district. I'll tell you a little something about Nicolay. Uh, she uh, tries to get into us here on the phone. Nicolay is a mother, small business owner, and champion of America's bedrock principles of individual responsibility entrepreneurship and making the American dream attainable for all. A little more about Nicolie. As a teenager, she aspired to attend both the Johns Hopkins University and the Peabody Conservatory of Music. She's obviously a lot smarter than the host. She was admitted to both schools and while pursuing her studies, Nicolie fell in love with Maryland. I guess she liked the crab and planted her forever roots there. After earning three degrees in under six years, another thing that your host could never even manage to think about, entered entered the workforce in Towson, Maryland, and took an interest in community affairs, specifically matters affecting children, education, and kitchen table issues, such as affordability, Niccoli has dedicated much of her volunteer time to building a two-party system for Marylanders, something, sadly, they haven't had in quite some time, to have real options in choosing elected officials who believe public service exists to represent the people and not to line their pockets. That's my um, added comment. Niccoli is one of many, many moms running for Congress this cycle And she has been very involved in her kids' school and has served as a Baltimore Commissioner for Architectural and Historical Preservation, um, a board member of the American Council for Young Political Leaders, and uh, she currently is president of a charity serving those who have lost a child to violence, something we Americans all have a fresh memory about from Uvalde, Texas, recently. Uh, Tom, has uh, Nicolai joined us yet? Okay, Nicole, are you, uh Nicola, are you there yet?
1: Hello, Bruce. How are you doing today?
0: I am great. Nicola, uh, you've been a longtime activist. Tell us briefly, why did you decide to run for Congress?
1: Well, so I live in Maryland, and I used to live in the worst gerrymandered district in all of America. I mean, if you wanted to look at, you know, Democratic Democrats playing the hardest, most partisan games to disenfranchise an entire state. It was my state, and it, my district was the worst. It looked like a dismembered spider thrown across the state. And so, all we have had a Republican governor for the past seven years, and right. we knew that if this went to court, it would get decided at the Maryland Court of Appeals. And we thought, you know, there have been more bipartisan judges appointed there. Since we've had a governor there for seven years, we knew it couldn't get to the Supreme Court. So essentially, there was a big fight over our maps. There had been a lot of studying to get better maps. And lo and behold, at the end of March, less than 20 days before filing deadline, we suddenly got much fairer districts. And my house was thrown into a competitive congressional district. And historically, before it was gerrymandered for the first time 20 years ago, two Republicans had held the seat. So all of a sudden, mm. we have a chance. I am going to be running in the general against Dutch Rupersberger. He has been on the public dole since 1972, before I was born. And, you know, I think it's time for fresh ideas. It's certainly time for someone who doesn't vote with Joe Biden 100% of the time. And, you know, I I love this new district. I have raised my family here, raised my children here, had, you know, I've represented the whole state of Maryland, but this is an area, we have Baltimore County in this district, where I have fought very hard um, against a corrupt superintendent for two years when he tried to shut down my children's nationally award-winning school. And after two years, we won that fight, and not long after, he was indicted and convicted on corruption charges. Um, We even have a sliver of Baltimore City in this, and half of our city schools can't read, write, or do, you know, our graduates can't read, write, or do arithmetic. And then we've got some super um, great farmland in this district. It goes up to the Pennsylvania line and out west. So this is a district that voted for a Republican governor by 30 points, and it's a very fiscally conservative district. So I think they will like our ideas.
0: Hmm. So, uh, yay Larry Hogan, uh, not, not beloved by all Republicans, but certainly is doing a good job in Maryland, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, taking a stand on, on the congressional districts. So, as I introduced you a few minutes ago, you've been involved in your kids' education. You're interested in their education and others. Um, you want to let kids be kids and have teachers teach them the basics, don't you?
1: This is one of the, my three big platform issues that we're talking about wherever I go. I have been a huge advocate for school choice always before I had kids, and especially when I had kids and put them in a school choice option. And when you have failing schools, like the entire nation looks at places like Baltimore City, looks at places like Chicago and sees how on earth can you do this to children? You're ruining their lives if they cannot graduate knowing how to read. Um that, you know, it's a great example of everything that's wrong with our public education system. I grew up in public schools. I got to Johns Hopkins and it was easy. I know how possible it is to have a fantastic public education in this country, but we have to hold people accountable. So why can't we audit schools receiving the federal money that cannot teach children how to read, write, and do arithmetic? So that's what I mean when I say teach them the basics.
0: Uh, teaching kids uh, how to learn, not what to learn necessarily, uh, through indoctrination, right?
1: Isn't it so important that, isn't the point of education to be able to be a deep thinker, to actually question right. things, to ask? It's not to be taught to be a drone, you know, to not have your own opinion. It's, the point is to be a deep thinker. Um, you know, obviously there are Places in my district where we can't even teach people to read, write, or do arithmetic, and that must be changed. What on earth are we doing to these children if they cannot come out of school with the basics? But um, so, why on earth? So would also, people send their kids- so also,
0: okay. also, Nickley, uh problems in Maryland, particularly in Baltimore City, which I refer to as B Murder City. Um, <laughs> others do as well. Uh, terrible violence. Uh, with gangs and, and criminals that run loose um, you you also are against defunding uh, the police you want to uh, give more resources to public safety uh, not just in maryland of course but all across the country don't you
1: this is a huge issue uh where i live right we've got essentially two big counties in my district in the sliver of baltimore city we have nearly a h- 400 police vacancies officer vacancies in Baltimore City. We have cops going out with half the number of cops they should have in any given shift. Of co- How on earth do we keep crime down and keep people alive when the police don't have the resources and the backup to do their job? And then uh, Baltimore County, which surrounds Baltimore City, is also down 159 officer positions, according to the FOP. And then we have this this more rural fantastic County called Carroll that has a wonderful sheriff who's just worried and trying to hold the line to make sure this crime doesn't drift his way. Hmm.
0: And, And lastly, we're all paying higher prices at the, at the gas pump, uh, arguably, um, uh, the president has dismantled every trump policy he disengaged from every program he put us back in the paris accords and and now not because of vladimir putin but because of him and his green administration we face shortages of oil uh resources and gas prices in in arizona or close to five bucks a gallon in california where i happen to be broadcasting from today Uh, Premium gas is now almost $8 a gallon. Uh, It can't be very cheap in Maryland. What would you do if you were a member of Congress to force the president to focus on energy independence?
1: So the uh, energy independence is one of my other huge issues, and it summarizes more than anything else every problem with America right now. And that is every single problem we are facing is man-made. It is an unnecessary problem created by bad policy coming out of Washington, D.C. And the government, furthermore, when it comes to energy policy, has to get out of the way and stop picking winners and losers. Hmm. So obviously, Joe Biden's policies have created the situation. Right. And so my job when I get to Congress and am sworn in in January is to vote against every single one of these bad policy ideas that is killing our economy, making our lives unaffordable, and oh my gosh, I would bet I wouldn't be surprised if by November our gas prices have tripled from when they where they were in 2021. It's just outrageous. Mm-hmm. It's an they're unnecessary resetting, problem.
0: They're, they're resetting pumps to, uh, to uh, get up You know, 10 bucks and above. Hey, oh, look, uh, I have one final question. Time's a little short here. Uh, we find sometimes there's animus between unsuccessful candidates and nominees. You mentioned that uh, you'll go right to the ballot in November or do you have a primary? I can't remember.
1: We do have a primary because we got new lines right, right less than 20 days before the filing deadline. So we have some um, folks in the primary who live in the old district lines, but don't live in the new district lines. You know, that technically doesn't matter for Congress, but I'm a big believer that you need to live in the district you're running to represent. So
0: sometimes there's some animus between candidates and nominees who win their primaries in the event you're not successful in the primary and I, and I hope you you will prevail we've been friends for a long time and I know your your qualities and your and your capabilities what would you do to support um, the nominee uh, the Republican nominee in the general election
1: right so I always do what I've done for actually my past twenty four years of trying to build a two party system in the state where we've been very successful because we're now a swing state and we used to be written off as a deep blue state and that is I've done all the grassroots training for folks for the past 10 years and grassroots have been a grassroots activist since literally 98. So I do super Saturdays in the state. I organize where we go out and help mobilize to help get people across the line in our swing districts and our swing races, um, wherever we think we could possibly make that critical difference um, or you know, put progressives back on their heels. That's what we do. And that's what I will always do, uh, because we can't take anything for granted. We need to make sure voters know that I believe 90 percent of voters really do agree with us on the issues. They want their lives to be affordable. They want their children to have a great education. They want the government to stay out of their lives and start creating these policy disasters. And uh, we just need to reach the voters and make sure every single person knows we are out there to earn their vote.
0: Nicoly Ambrose, tell everybody what your website is and how they can support you if they wish.
1: Thank you, Bruce Ash. I am at AmbroseforCongress.com. A M B R O S E F O R Congress dot com. And you know, my first name a little different, but it's just Nicole with an extra E, Nicoly. <laughs>
0: okay, Nicolai. Thanks for calling in today. Uh great to be your friend. Good luck in the uh in the upcoming primary. Uh and uh come back anytime you wish. Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and take our first break. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing metal plate and roofing materials as well as new and used steel aluminum and stainless steel to ranchers artists interior designers roofers and do-it-yourselfers just like all of the listeners here tucson iron and metal retail is open monday through fridays 8 a.m to 4:30 p.m and saturdays 8 a.m to noon tucson iron and steel retail 701 east 36th street Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices.
2: Essential pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science.
1: You mean you don't use a shoe?
2: No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets.
1: Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Instead of an activity where every kid gets a trophy, those who graduate from Right Flight get to fly a plane. But only if they get good grades, are well behaved, and pass a written test. I'm
3: Robin Stoddard, an ex fighter pilot. I founded Right Flight because I knew it could help kids reach new heights in their schools, homes, and communities.
1: Endorsed by educators at every level, nonprofit Right Flight has changed thousands of lives since 1986. Learn more at rightflight.org.
4: This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners, and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.
0: Welcome back to Inside Track. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. <clears throat> As I mentioned to you, this is the eve of the D-Day invasion 78 years ago. And I'd like to share uh, with you that earlier this week, I attended the Memorial Day ceremony at Star Park in Coronado, California, with over 1,000 young and old Coronadoans to uh, watch the Honor Guard sing along with our national anthem and listen to a two-star Marine general who commands the 1st Marine Division. Uh, The crowd was an interesting cross-section, Boy Scouts handing out programs and poppies to hang on lapels, baseball caps, um, to children and grandchildren of the veterans and fallen heroes of our country and their surviving spouses. One such surviving spouse, uh, an older woman, even older than your host, Uh, who sat to my left about 20 feet or so, uh, like me, was listening to the two-star general, that's uh, General Roger Turner of the 1st Marine Division. Uh, She reacted to his words about being, um, about his men being the tip of our country's military forces who are sent in to defend our country and destroy the enemy. And when she said that, she cried out right on, which caught the attention of most of the attendees. Remember, uh, there was a time in our country uh, where we fought to win and didn't settle for a political tie. There were many honors for several of our fallen heroes, including Navy SEAL Charles Keating IV, who died in battle and is revered for his service by his fellow Special Forces operators, his family, and all Americans. It was a special day. And as Memorial Day should be a chance to reflect how lucky we have been to be born in America and how important it is that we return to peace through strength, not, not weakness and appeasement. Hopefully the dangerous times we currently find ourselves in will change soon. Help can't come soon enough. Let's go back in time in the Wayback Machine and listen to what Dwight D. Eisenhower, Allied Uh, Supreme Commander of Forces uh, told his troops that eve of D-Day some 78 years ago. Go ahead.
5: Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking.
0: Those men who uh, scaled... uh the cliffs and battled uh, across the beaches of Normandy um, are still our heroes and and prayers uh, for them and their and their loved ones and their and their uh, survivors and and descendants. Uh, friends, we have another great lineup for you this afternoon. Our first guest today we just had Nicole uh, Ambrose, uh, and after the bottom of the hour break, LD 11 legislator election integrity advocate, Mark Fincham, will spend the second half of the show with us. I'm very anxious for all of you to hear from Mark. Uh, before we get to the rundown, uh, I, was, I was at synagogue this morning, and uh, this is a very special day in the, in the Jewish religion. Uh, this is uh, the eve of a, of a holiday called Shavuot. And it is uh, the celebration of when Moses uh, received the 10 commandments from, uh, from God and, uh, and everything that came with that. And um, our rabbi gives us uh, some readings to think about. And this one was a little off topic uh, with uh, Shavuot and the start of the Jewish religion. Uh, but I, I thought I would share it with you. Uh, eight things worth picking a fight with your kids about. The piece goes, parenting is hard. Parents have to choose their battles. Here are eight fights worth picking with your kids. The reading fight. Have your kids read because reading is tied to everything from cognitive development to the ability to focus. Make your kids read now. I'm proud both of our grandparents are doing that, or both of our uh, grandsons and daughters are doing that right now. The outside fight. Make your kids go outside. The natural world teaches us many things. Plus, Outside, there's sunshine, fresh air, and exercise waiting for them. More importantly, nature is full of things in short supply in our world. Discovery, wonder, peace, and joy. The work fight. This is the one that I loved when I was a kid. Make your kids work. Too many parents don't require their kids to lift a finger at home. There are priceless life principles you can really only learn with a mop in your hand. Let sweat be your children's teacher, and uh, my dad on Memorial Day every year uh, made me go out on the side yard and clean up a, a California pepper tree that we had that always created a big mess and trim the oleanders. Uh, that was the first of my of my work projects that I had as a kid. The meal fight. Oh my God, this is a big one these days. Make your kids eat as a family. Our lives are a blur of nonstop activity. Meals together are a physical pause to recover a truth so easily sacrificed on another's expense. Nothing's more important to the family. I agree, this is a huge, huge plus for any family who eats together. The boredom fight, let your kids be bored. Don't show a DVD on each car ride. Kids need unscheduled time. Odd as it sounds, boredom is a skill. It's hard to parent. And, and to deal with boredom complaints. But if you give in and fill up their time with, ex, with external stimuli, you'll raise an activity addict. Make them learn how to be in the present. The me first fight. This was also something that my dad taught me. Make your kids go last. Not every time for everything, but enough to remember that the world doesn't revolve around them. Take the smallest piece, give up the remote. This is something I should probably have learned better. Do something, do someone else's chores. Get their least favorite choice. They won't like it, but they need it. The conversation fight, allow your kids to have uncomfortable conversations with you. They may roll their eyes and resist. You will stumble and stutter. They need and want your perspective, lessons learned, and wisdom. And lastly, the limitation fight. And friends, think about your families because I think we all see this. Learning to live within limits is a valuable life skill. In fact, many adult problems arise from an inability to accept them. Screen time limits, dietary limits, activity limits, and schedule limits are good As a parent, choose your battles, but not easy. Worth it though. This is why religious education is so important and should never be overlooked. The monetary investment put in this greatest return for one's money that is out there. Great parenting happens when you start controlling yourself and stop controlling the child. I had planned to talk about all kinds of things in the news this week, but when I saw that um, uh, uh, flyer uh, that we got today uh, in uh, services, I said, you know, that's probably something that is worthwhile to share with all of our listeners, and I hope you will approve of the uh, slight departure from the rundown that I took today. All right, Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and uh, take our, our bottom of the hour break. And uh, when we return, uh, Mark Fincham will join us. Mark is an Arizona legislator from uh, LD11. He is running for state Arizona State Secretary of State, and uh, we'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have
1: So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences.
3: We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, We have a relationship there, and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight, and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need.
0: Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday.
2: Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science.
1: You mean you don't use a shoe?
2: No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets.
1: Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed
4: Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or
0: wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. As you know, Eb and I are committed to bringing as many primary candidates to the show between now and our August primary so that you can find out about them. Our next guest, Mark Fincham, has been on the show before. Our um, last time with him, I think, was last fall uh, before he became officially a candidate for Secretary of State. He is qualified for the uh, for the primary. And is busy at work. He, uh, I think, got close to well about eleven and a half thousand signatures, probably uh, well over the requirement. It is good to welcome back Mark fincham to Inside Track. Mark is running, as I said, for Secretary of State. Secretary of State. He is well known here in Southern Arizona for his positions on everything from elections to Second Amendment, education, immigration and so on. Unfortunately, very little of his good works are ever reported down here. And what is reported is usually a distortion of the real facts. Mark, it's a pleasure to welcome you back to Inside Track. Thanks for your work at the legislature. And I have to say, as somebody who's known you for a long time, I appreciate your personal commitment to represent your district and to make Arizona a better place to live. Thanks for being on the show today.
6: Thank you very much, Chris. In fact, I, I kind of like your slip of the tongue. I think I actually prefer the title Secretary of Straight. <laughs> Let's get this thing straight. Oh, that's well, I'll take that under consideration.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad the slip of my tongue could work for you. Your your website is www.votefinchem. That's www.votefinchem.com. Um, Mark, you've been in and out of the news uh, for several months now. Um, A few, well, a short while ago, the Arizona Supreme Court slapped down, thankfully, an attempt to remove you, Paul Gosar, and Andy Biggs from the ballot. Tell us about that battle.
6: Now, this is a, the people that brought that suit are the very same people who tried to have me recalled for doing my job uh, earlier in the year. And um, these are, avowed Marxists, openly Marxists, engaged in trying to use the courts for political warfare, also known as lawfare. And uh, before this is all said and done, I'll probably be filing a bar complaint against the attorneys that brought a bad faith uh, lawsuit against the three of us. Uh, it's a Their argument was a federal argument that has absolutely no bearing, and— no. They brought it in a state court. What they were trying to do is consume time and resources and do it through the court system. Now, I'm not the only person that they've done this with. They've done this all over the country with anyone who uh, posed a threat. And what they were trying to do is use the court to have me summarily removed from the ballot. Now, we, we spent money in the Maricopa County Superior Court. We also had to go to the Supreme Court. But you're right they got slapped down it was um just a it's a bad faith case and they need to be punished for it but unfortunately they won't be punished for it they have more money than cents so th- this is what they do
0: and and i think mark we both know that uh, that they knew they wouldn't be successful but you're right what they were trying to do is pin you down and, and the other two as well and frankly they're doing the same thing to donald trump which is um, which is just extraordinary. N- this has never, ever been done before in the history of our country. And this is using the legal system, as you said, lawfare, uh, uh, to, to help uh, defeat a candidate before that candidate is even a candidate in some cases. Just, yeah. It's amazing was, how, how dishonest that is.
6: I was hoping that the judge would um, reprimand the attorneys for their behavior Um, This is absolutely the abusive misuse. I know that's redundant, but it's the abusive misuse of our legal system. And it demonstrates just how corrupt the ongoing criminal enterprise that I call the Democrat Party has become. Now, I know a lot of, of Democrats who are fleeing that organization because of the criminality that just surrounds them in everything that they do.
0: President Trump uh, had this to say about you. It is my great honor to endorse a true warrior, Representative Mark Fincham of the great state of Arizona for the position of secretary of state. He is a pa- I can hear him actually saying this, Mark, because I've talked with him a few times, as as you might have also. He is I a actually patriot. To pres- yeah, he is a patriot who has fought for our country right from the earliest moments in government. Um." mark was willing to say what few others had the courage to say in addition to his incredibly powerful stance on the massive voter fraud that took place in the 2020 presidential election scam he is strong on crime borders our currently under siege second amendment and loves our military and our vets mark will be fighting hard for further tax and regulation cuts he says in, com- in uh, conclusion, Mark Fincham has my complete and total endorsement. He will never let the people of Arizona down. Those are as strong a words of endorsement as could possibly be.
6: Yes, sir. Um, in speaking with the president, he has, has told me more than once that of the 100, 160 or so endorsements that he's made, um, I am the one that he is most proud of, which no pressure there. <laughs> um, he said, no, now go win this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad that he took the time to do the research on me, or his team did. Um, and you've said this a couple times, Bruce. I have endeavored to represent the people of my district with all my heart and soul. To the best of my ability, no one will ever be able to say that I contributed less than that.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and look, you you represent in, in the legislature. You've represented the kind of the heart and the voice of of the Republicans and Independents and even some Democrats who live there. Um, and frankly, you've and I don't say this to to uh, to scold you at all. You've you've been so truthful sometimes that it actually hurts you, and and you've paid for those for those yeah. things that you, that you've spoken out on, um, and but at the same time though this does bring honor to you, and I think uh, those who do support you, uh, including the president, the former president of the United States, uh, trust you and value you for that. Let let's get if we can uh, onto the audit, uh, which was uh, completed uh, earlier and. Um, the fight to bring out the truth, it, it is uh, sometimes, you know, I, I mentioned before that the, the, the re- reports on things that they do talk about with you are, are so skewed that the, they don't even bear much uh, ability to, to uh, face reality. Uh, same thing on this audit. I mean, the things that have been said about it, the purposes of the audit, uh, the conclusions of the audit, uh, the recommendations from the audit, it's as though it's as though our friends in the media have just like their heads explode uh this is this is the truth I mean this information does does not lie uh about anything there were there were total system failures in this election that were magnified by the importance of the election don't you think
6: uh could not I, I don't think I could say it any better than that that's exactly what happened and you know, our, I, I don't really call our friends in the media friends. You know, there's a reason that the First Amendment exists. There's a reason that we, we enshrined a free press. And what we have today is a captured press. They wouldn't know the truth if it ran over them. Um, or the alternative theory is they know the truth, and they're simply trying to support what I believe is the real big lie, and that is that they knew going all the way back to 2008 – that we had some, um, systems vulnerabilities that could negatively impact a totally free, transparent election. What they're doing right now is trying to gaslight the American people into believing there was no fraud. Really? Right. Well, I think I think Dinesh D'Souza's uh, work has outed that. We now have been able to identify seventy-four ballot trafficking rings around the country. This is a pervasive problem, and it is exacerbated not just by ballot harvesting and ballot trafficking, by fraudulent ballots, by the use of electronic equipment that has been proven to have system vulnerabilities that flip votes, and the refusal of the companies that make that equipment to allow government officials, who are the ones that are ultimately responsible for elections, to inspect the code. They refuse to. And that's why Carrie Lake and I have filed suit in US District Court in Arizona to ban the use of black box ballot tabulation equipment. We're waiting for our day in court.
0: And and this really uh, is at the core of the issue. Uh, we saw uh, first time very graphically, Mark, would you agree that there is a, um, a loss of chain of custody? and and when yes. a company who is who has been contracted with and entrusted with the vote with counting the votes when they are unwilling to to uh open the box and 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 let everybody where everybody that should you know is responsible for for examining it when they refuse to do that that should say a lot about what was going on yeah. In the 2020 election, and frankly, in prior elections as well, don't you think?
6: Yeah, it goes far beyond that, though, Bruce. So we've got Maricopa County. Um, their practice in this last election was ballots that were returned because they flooded the zone with, with ballots that shouldn't, right, should right, never have right. been mailed out, okay? Right. I believe the last count was 50,000 plus that were returned. They right. told, they didn't inspect them. They sent, they had them return to Runbeck and told Runbeck, go ahead and destroy him. Okay, that is a violation of 52 CFR 20701, a federal law that requires the counties to maintain election records for 22 months after the election. What we have in Maricopa County is a lawless board of supervisors. They and they're all the Republicans. They're the all
0: they're most. Mark, they're most all Republicans. It's it's
6: unbelievable. Well, okay, Bruce. They're, they're, these, I think they're they're republicrats. Those are Democrats registered as Republicans.
0: I said, Mark, because as soon as I but saw, but a Republican form of government. Yeah, as soon as I saw what was happening there, Mark, I publicly said on this show and, and on social media that none of those people deserve reelection in in the next election. No, they don't. they were disgraceful.
6: Yes, that is probably the best word, and and they have demonstrated in their activity their level of corruption. They don't want scurrying
0: for the corners.
6: Yeah, they they don't want to face the fact that through their malfeasance, misfeasance, and misbehavior, they corrupted an election, and then they tried to cover it up. And the people of Maricopa County, I don't think, are going to fall for it again. There may be a couple of them get reelected. Frankly, I'm, I'm stunned that they would be willing to run for office again. But when guys like Bill Gates come out and, and call me out for mm-hmm. damaging the democracy, that's the, the oh audits damage democracy, really. I'm of the camp that when you do an audit of something, you reinforce confidence. Absolutely. And I think 70% plus of the people of Arizona agree with me. So That's one of the reasons why in polling, I'm at 60%. 60% of likely voters would vote for me today.
0: So let's talk about, we'll get back to some of the goofy stuff that they've done, some of the goofy stuff, particularly in Pima County, that they plan to do about running for elections. Let's talk about, Work that the legislature has completed so far and might get completed possibly by the by signe die, um, and let's talk about your plans to run the secretary of state's office and elections in general in Arizona. I realize you don't run the Pima election or the, the a Yavapai County election, but but we don't even have a damn elections manual right now uh, that that uh, yeah. realistically uh, will handle the election. So what are what are the Mark Finchem plans? <clears throat> Uh, for clean elections and transparent elections, fair elections uh, in the future?
6: Well, one of the the, um, arguments that I've used is elections belong to the people, not to the government bureaucracy. I've not found a single person that disagrees with that that, that position. Um, I'm going to be calling on every individual voter to put an app on their phone called VOTIFY NOW, V-O-T-I-F-Y-N-O-W. And that makes every citizen an evidence-gathering individual. Hmm. If you see an election irregularity, let's say, for example, somebody uh, receives more than one ballot at their home made out to them. Yeah. Take a picture of all the ballots, exercise one, and then take the remaining ballots. Um, We'll be able to give you an evidence bag. We want you to send that into a central um, processing area that is non-governmental, by the way, run by either the party or we've not yet selected the the trustworthy soul to do that. We want to catalog those and then we'll turn them over to the attorney general as evidence. We want to know, and this is a piece of fraud that we cannot get our hands on because Maricopa County destroyed 50,000 plus ballots. We wanna make sure that those ballots were not exercised in the system even though they weren't delivered. So some of the things that I plan to do, uh, first of all, we have got to clean our voter rolls. They are filthy. We have thousands, tens of thousands of people who are either fictitious, deceased, or no longer live in Arizona. They're registered to vote in another state, still on our rolls. Um, I will, I will try and convince the legislature that we need to move away from electronic poll books. That is how you manipulate votes. You've got to go to paper. Um, we need to get off of ERIC. ERIC is the Electronic Registration Information Center. ERIC was set up by none other than George Soros and team several years ago. And you have to, for a state to be on ERIC, you have to sign a contract which essentially blocks voter registration information from the voters. We need to get off of that thing, because what they've done is they had used that as a resource for the DNC to tap into and take a look at who's registered, who's voted, who hasn't voted yet, Um, that kind of stuff. So we're going to be um, making sure that the people are brought back into elections. I know Pima County right now is trying to tell poll workers that unless you're vaccinated, you don't get to work at at the uh, polls. Really? Yeah. So how? I'm I'm glad you passed the Voting Rights Act of 1964. Um, There's there's a serious problem if you're going to block one party from being in there because traditionally Republicans are not vaccinated, Democrats are. So you're going to tell poll workers that they can't work in that environment because. They refuse to take an injection of what now is believed to be a serious, problematic injection. It's not even they're not even calling it a vaccine anymore.
0: So so that I I didn't know that this was happening uh, until about the last week or so. Uh, That would seem to be something that a smart lawyer would immediately file an injunction against. Why not? Why have haven't there been any lawsuits challenging that?
6: Well, we're actually collecting people right now that have been denied. Uh, There probably will be a class action um, filing. Um, Now, unfortunately, because of the shenanigans at the legislature, um, we we have passed a law that would prohibit that. It's been signed. The problem is it can't take effect until 91 days after we sign and die, which isn't in time for the primary. It will be for the general, but not the primary. Um, some of the other stuff that we've done, um, we've strengthened the voter ID uh, law. Uh, we've got a referral going to the ballot on that. Um, w- there's a couple of uh, referrals that are going to go to the ballot, um, citizen initiatives that um, are very problematic. Um, in fact, if you look at the, what the Democrats are putting up, they're basically trying to install corruption as a permanent way of life, like they have up in Colorado. So um, my advice to everybody who's listening to your show, Perhaps uh, at some point when we get to the um, the, the part of the election um, cycle where you are looking at the various propositions, um, I'd love to come back on your show and let you know what's the truth and what's the fiction.
0: Sure, you're always welcome here. Um, okay. Let's talk about let's talk about currency grade paper being used uh, for ballots. And if I and if I could. Let me just kind of throw a, a monkey wrench into that as well. There's got to be a way so that early ballots, I mean, I frankly, I, I think a lot of people would rather do away with early ballots the way they're currently being done. But, but if there are to be early ballots, somehow making it so that it's impossible for one signature not to, not to be uh, thrown away with the, with the mail when that early ballot comes in and and every single one of those signatures checked with at least 20 or you know a a, a um a, a positive sort of a um signature check uh, electronically if that's where we're going to continue to do that yeah so currency great paper the, and, and and signatures
6: yeah that's going to take um a lot more study because we've I've talked to a number of the technology folks and they say that um when when you're trying to do signature matching um, as a matter of course, it's unless you're very well-trained, like uh, FBI analysis-level trained for signature or for handwriting analysis, you don't know. So, moreover, I think that there's a couple of other solutions. One, I don't like this idea of getting a an early ballot, and then because you don't trust the mail, you go to the polls to turn in your ballot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And then they say, oh, well, you can't do that here. You're going to have to put that over here. And if you want to vote, we can give you a provisional ballot or we can. Right. Okay. stop. Stop the madness a second. Right. Um, The project that I have been working on now for two years that came out of the November 30th hearing that I that I chaired um, is a basically it's watermarked paper. That each blank is, is printed by a company other than the company that prints the ballots, Okay, So you have a a set number of ballot blanks that have to be requisitioned from a a U.S. Treasury-level site. Um, There's a couple of different businesses, one, but Authentics is the one that has helped us with this project. You have to requisition the number of ballot blanks, and you know how many documents are legit within the universe of documents before the election. There's a stunning thought Mm -hmm. you'll also be able to do an audit of the ballot blanks that weren't used the ones that were returned and the ones that are still out there floating around that weren't returned every ballot will have a watermark on it that is uv light reactive so think about this for a moment let's say for example we send out six million ballots but we get seven million back They run through the system, and you look at the election, and it's like, hmm, something's wrong here. You run all those ballots through a UV light reader just to make sure that they all have uh, the watermark on them, and lo and behold, you find a million that don't have the watermark. Now, of course, these are ridiculous numbers, but stick with me. You're able to pull that million out of the population because they are fake ballots. They don't have the watermark. At the same time, if you have counted the dots that have been filled in on those documents, you can subtract those off of the total because you know that they're not legitimate votes. That's just one of the things that um, we're able to do with this currency grade um, countermeasures program. One of the other things that has been very popular with folks as we explain what this is, is in the upper left-hand corner of the document will be a QR code that the voter can scan and only they know that number is connected to them. When the ballots are ultimately scanned and curated, put out on on uh, online, the image will be a PDF image, and it will be cataloged by the number on the QR code. So the voter will be able to go out online at some point after the election and verify that the ballot that's on record is the ballot that they voted. People are thrilled about that idea because right now their confidence in the county, counties, to um, maintain free and fair elections has never been at a lower point.
0: Mark, we've we got
6: counties that work hard.
0: We've got, to stop. We've got to stop you there, Mark, because we're, we're running out of time. And you can come back on the show. We'll try to schedule something with you as soon as you're available. I want to ask one I final question. And, and, you know, I hate to be an a-hole, but this is a yes or no questions. Uh, there's sometimes a lot of animus between unsuccessful candidates and nominees who win the primaries. If in the event you're not successful in the primary, what will you do to support the party's nominee in the general election?
6: I can come behind them all right we support, mark you support the winner
0: mark fincham vote uh mark thanks for joining us uh today and uh you're you're welcome back anytime soon best of luck to you
6: thank you very much bruce it's been a pleasure
0: all right insiders on behalf of my broadcast partner who is uh uh, taking a break uh, this weekend, um, taking care of some personal business. I hope you enjoyed the show today with Mark Fincham and Nicolay, uh Ambrose. Our show is podcast on both the KVOI website and on Apple Podcasts. Close to 130 Inside Track episodes are available there at Apple Podcasts also. Until next week, when we have another great show planned. For Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash. Thanks for listening in today. We'll see you in another 167 hours. And on the 6th of June, when you are um, maybe drinking that cup of coffee in the morning, um, just remember what uh, tens and tens of thousands of young American GIs, Marines, uh, Navy, uh, and Air and Airmen were doing uh, on the on the coast of Normandy. Uh, fighting for freedom uh, to defeat uh, an evil oppressor. Um, We are lucky to be living in the nation that we do, and we're forever thankful for their service to our country. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists, but I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap.
0: Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday.
4: This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com.